Hey, Gordon, it's Gelb. Um, I know we've been talking about doing this podcast for a while, but we haven't done it yet. And it sounds like a lot of work. And so Amy had a good idea. And she thought that since the news is happening every week, well, actually every day of every week, why don't we just send voice messages back and forth to each other talking about what we think about what's going on. And then if it's interesting, we connect all those voice messages at the end of each week and put it out as a podcast. So I guess, what do you think? Do you think that's a good idea? Hope you respond. Bye. Hey, Gelb, it's, uh, it's Gordon. It's, uh, it's about 9.40 or so. Um, yeah, you know, let's, uh, let's give it a, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff happening. So I say, let's give it a go and, uh, and see what happens. Also, if it's going to be released as a pod, we should probably come up with a witty name. Something, um, uplifting and optimistic and pithy. I don't know. Uh, I was thinking, like, what the hell did they just do now? Something like that, but, hmm, it's late. I'll, I'll have a think. Come up with pity tomorrow. How about you? By the way, uh, it's Saturday today, and before the vote, I was talking with, uh, my cousin, and they were asking about the about what was going to be voted on. And it occurred to me that they could either vote to accept the deal without delay, accept delay without deal, do both, and do neither at the same time. Uh, so yeah, what did you think of the day, Gordon? What do you think Boris, Boris is going to do? What do I think of the day? Well, look, I think that the Letwin Amendment is actually perfectly sensible. You want to say, hey, we, you know, we're, we're not just accepting the broad agreement in principle, but we've actually passed all the legislation so that a, uh, you know, a small disagreement maybe about how to transition workers' rights or something doesn't end up derailing the whole thing and suddenly it's a no-deal Brexit. So I think that if the Letwin Amendment had been part of the Ben Act and, uh, you know, and we've been saying, let's pass all the legislation together from the start, then I think everyone would have said that was perfectly sensible. But it was just odd the way the thing came out only the last couple of days. Suddenly it seemed like, oh, this is the last gasp of the Remainers trying to thwart Brexit again, or at least that's how Boris cast it. So anyway, so so that passed, but it still looks like perhaps anyway, the, uh, the, withdrawal acts can still pass probably on Monday or Tuesday. The other thing that I think was funny though, was that after all these like two or three weeks or, or, or a month or so of um, of Boris and the others uh, in government suggesting or hinting that they were going to find a way around the Ben Act and they were not gonna ask for an extension. Well, the Ben Act was, was, was well written and very clear. And so 
they've sent the letter and the EU have received the letter. And if the withdrawal agreement hasn't been signed by October the 31st, we'll get an extension followed by a general election. So, and then this morning, today, today is Sunday, uh, Michael Gove is out there again saying, well, okay, but if we don't pass this agreement, there'll be a no deal Brexit. I, I don't think that that's at all credible. The EU have received a, uh, a request for an extension and they just have to grant it. And so if they, uh, and nobody's going to say no to that because then that would cause a no deal Brexit. So I, I think that the uh, government line is ridiculous. That's not to say that uh, MPs won't be a little worried about it because if they think there's even a small amount of risk, they might still be persuaded to vote for it. But anyway, so the question now is what happens in the next couple of days? Uh, I think Boris's position is a bit undermined, although the uh, government rhetoric is still trying to uh, push push the no deal as an idea. Um, what do you think happens next? Do you think that on Monday, Tuesday, everything sails through or do you think we're going to have some more difficulty? So uh, I guess a couple of things for uh, what I think, but like uh, for for those listening who don't who don't know the specifics about um, UK politics at the moment, uh, there are a couple of things that Gordon that you were talking about that, that might just need some uh, reminding of. So right now we're in Brexit. Uh, <laughs> we've been in it for like, what is it, three and a half years, whatever it is. Um, and uh, Theresa May uh, had her deal that she was trying to get uh, put past, didn't really work. Then uh, Boris Johnson has come in and then they, they uh, did this thing called the Ben Act. Um, and it was this uh, link up between Ben and I think it was it Birch or some uh, another uh, conservative MP that was a bit miffed that his name isn't getting mentioned as much as Ben. Anyway, that act uh, basically mandated that if uh, Johnson didn't get a deal uh, or that a deal wasn't decided by Parliament um, by uh, yesterday, that uh, by law Johnson would have to write a letter and specify the specific language of the letter uh, to the EU in order to ask for an extension. The reason why the Ben Act was was put in place uh, was uh, partially because they thought, uh, or Parliament thought, that uh, Boris Johnson was going to be trying to get around uh, Parliament uh, in in some ways uh, and and go for a No Deal Brexit because there was this there is a, a not insubstantial group of. Uh, conservative MPs that would quite like the idea of a no deal Brexit and just to have a what they call a clean break. I, I, I don't think it would neither it would be either clean um, uh, nor 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 a real break. Um, I mean, it would certainly be a, a pretty hard break, um, uh, but it wouldn't be, it certainly wouldn't be a, a, a tidy one. Um, so because of this mistrust and and that mistrust was borne out with the prorogation the prorogation fight, which was when Boris Johnson tried to uh, basically shut Parliament for several weeks so that they couldn't meet um, in order to uh, basically wait down the clock. And, and you can argue if you're a conservative that there was that there was reasoning behind that uh, from the point of view of negotiations. But either way, uh, Boris Johnson had been behaving in a way that had made it look like he was trying to get around Parliament because he knew that Parliament was wasn't going to be uh, wasn't going to be able to um, make themselves. Uh, amenable to uh, any deal because of the way that Parliament is set up right now. So that gives you background in terms of the Ben Act and why they they felt it was needed to to um, to be put forward. So Boris Johnson goes off and he gets his deal uh, late this this last week. So it kind of comes together uh, very last minute, 
And uh, the Letwin Amendment, I think, was put in in the same reason uh, with the same reasoning as the Ben Act, because they folks thought, well, if he if we vote for this deal, um, then we have to pass all the legislation to um, uh, to get it implemented. The deal has only come out yesterday, so we're we're going to be passing this this legislation, but we don't really know the the specifics. But because uh, we've we've passed the deal. Um, then there's no need for an extension. So we're going to have to figure out how to do these giant, this giant set of legislation that has a lot of far-reaching implications um, before the 31st. And the, the government would be able to um, uh, uh, strong arm that legislation through, even if it isn't ideal, because the alternative is, of course, a hard, uh, a no-deal Brexit. So I think it was written with that same worry that the government was going to be trying to push through things uh, without the consent of parliament, um, and and it, I think it was it was in somewhat in some ways a savvy uh, bill to have, or a, a amendment to have been uh, attached to the to the bill, um, and and I think the 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 roots of it were also in that kind of distrust of the of the government trying to to push through things very quickly uh, to get the deal done on the thirty first of October rather than getting the deal done properly. Um, what I don't understand though, Gordon is. They so the Letwin amendment passed, and then they pulled the bill. So, in effect, the request has been sent out to uh, extend it. Um, but I, I thought that the reintroduction of the bill that they want to do early next week is actually a clean bill, right? And maybe they'll argue that well, you've asked for your extension, and if the extension is accepted, then it's okay. In effect, it's fine. It's the same thing. But what I don't understand is why didn't they just agree, like uh, let the uh, let an amendment go through and then vote on the actual bill yesterday? Like I don't understand why they didn't do that um, because um, in effect it would it would be the same thing. And my thinking, if you're if you're Boris Johnson, if you had voted for it and if it had passed yesterday, you could go back to the EU and say, hey, don't agree to the extension. We've already got this passed. There's momentum on our side. So I, I'm sure that there's a strategic reason. Why? But uh, like, I'd I'd love I'd love to hear what you think is as in terms of why that's the case. What I think will happen is I, I I have to think I have to say that if you're if you just want this over with, I think the Letwin Amendment is going to piss you off uh, in a lot of ways because if the EU grants an extension, um, then technically you could then say, all right, well we're going to just take this slowly, go through and and um uh you know, um, be very specific in terms of how we're going to implement this legislation. But Labour, Keir Starmer, Sir Keir Starmer uh, th uh, this morning was already talking about how uh, they're going to be putting in amendments to like put this to a people's vote. And their ideal is to like put this to a people's vote and then um, have that vote and then have a general election or or do the opposite. Like this does not bring us any closer to, to actually just getting through this stage of Brexit. And I think what would happen is if uh, the EU agrees to an extension to the 31st of, of January, then an election is just going to be called and all of this is going to then be pushed down for the next uh, f for the next government. And frankly, personally, I think actually that's the right thing to do. Just at this stage, um, Parliament is so fractured. Um, and also, I think people's people's views have probably changed. Um, and and I, th I think that's just the thing that that makes the most sense. I think Boris can come out of this and said, look, you want a deal? I got a deal. And Parliament grabbed my hands and held them um, and didn't push this through. So shame on them. You can have other people saying, 
you know, uh, the deal was terrible. Uh, so shame on them. Uh, let's have a, a, an election to, uh, to get a new negotiating, uh, team in place. Um, and, uh, even though I think you have a lot of remainers at this stage, uh, who are, who, who are just fed up and just say, you know what, um, we just want certainty. That's all we want. We know we, this has to happen. So let's just, just pull the, pull the band off bandaid off already. Um, so I think that if the EU grants the extension, I think the SNP or someone else are going to call a vote of no confidence very soon, like this week. Uh, and we're not going to have, we're not going to start passing any kind of legislation uh, around this deal. Um, I think, I think they're just going to go straight to an election. So what do you think? So in terms of your question about why didn't they carry on with the bill uh, and instead why did they abandon the bill after the uh, passage of the amendment um you're right i i was wondering that myself and i i didn't really see any uh, reporting on why that was um so i'm just gonna guess I, I think that if they had decided to pass the withdrawal agreement with the amendment and then done as you suggested and and gone to the eu and said hey uh a don't grass is an extension i i'm not sure the eu would have gone for that I think that uh, a no-deal Brexit was looking quite likely even a few days ago, and I think they would be unlikely to say, hey, we managed to pull this thing out of the jaws of no-deal Brexit, now let's up the ante again. I think they would want to say, oh, okay, let's go slow and steady here. Um, and from the point of view of any alternative, well, okay, if you carry on with the withdrawal agreement and you're applying for an extension, or at least you're asking the EU for an extension, uh, then you risk uh, maybe some, you know, Labour members in Leave voting constituencies thinking that they can vote for the withdrawal agreement in principle, and so go back to their constituents and say, hey, yeah, I delivered this, and then say, oh, okay, but later on I'm going to oppose or introduce some amendment or something like that because I don't like uh, Tory attacks on working standards or something like that, and so end up causing a, uh, a three-month delay in Brexit, I think that uh, Boris would want to avoid that. So I think that's why he pulled the bill. And uh, the effect is that, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to have a series of votes and they're all going to be very high stakes. And so that's why I think that it's probably easier to predict what's going to be happening in three weeks' time than in three days' time. Because in three weeks' time, if the bill passes or if it doesn't, well, I, I think we're going to have to be in election territory, and I agree. I think that an election is the way you're supposed to solve these kinds of problems. When Parliament can't make a decision, it's supposed to dissolve. And at least that was the case up until the Fixed-Term Parliament Act said that every parliament had to be five years and you couldn't collapse in the middle. Um, but in terms of what happens in the next three days, uh, I'm inclined to think that the government doesn't have the votes. I see that this evening Dominic Rabb is saying that they do have the votes, but even with Conservative members and the ERG, who are the most Brexity of the uh, Conservatives, and with the uh, Tory rebels, those were the rebels who were the least Brexity and who got, got kicked out of the party, even with those uh, chaps largely on board, the DUP still aren't on board. So I, I don't see that they possibly have the votes. They were going to be relying on a large number of Labour defections, and it doesn't appear to me like that's the case. But I guess we'll see what happens in the next couple of days, or, uh, or what do you think? that I don't understand is Labour's position in this. So I understand their front bench position is you got to vote against the deal, but they also seem to be signaling that it's okay for their MPs to vote for the deal because there'll be no repercussions for them if they do. 
So is this Jeremy Corbyn trying to slyly manipulate the situation so that the election that comes is not an election about Brexit, but an election about his favourite topics, about austerity and about the Tories? Um, My only reservation on that is it seems like kind of playing three-dimensional chess. He's got to be opposed to it, but he's also got to whip in fa- against it but he's also got to then have a secret whipping operation in favor of it i you know that sounds that sounds like a strategy that's uh, doomed to fail and also doomed to become public yeah the labor position is uh i don't understand what it is but i've also never really understood what um what it has been i think it's a party that is just deeply unsure of itself and i don't know i i'm as you know i'm not particularly impressed with uh jeremy corbyn but i also think that he has a a situation where you know it's a labor party of both kind of the pro union socialist wing and the kind of new labor wing have been having a battle for a long time and there's this push and pull between uh taking a more protectionist stance on things versus a more free trade stance on things. And so I don't really know what the, what labor's position is, but I've never really known what labor's position is, has, has been. One of the things that did happen today though, so today is Monday, is that Burko refused to hear the, um, the bill for a second reading. I don't understand why people were surprised at this and why Tories were surprised at this. This is the exact thing that happened to Theresa May, um, which is why, again, I think we were talking about it. Like, why why didn't you just do the bill on Saturday? Like, I think there would have been a lot of benefit from that, especially if you were convinced that you had the votes. Um, But what I don't understand, and maybe you can help me with this, because obviously I'm not, I wasn't born here, so maybe I'm, I'm missing something, but... I don't get the DUP, um, and I, I, I mean, I don't get the DUP for a lot of reasons, but so the DUP is against um, having a, a, a special arrangement for Northern Ireland um, to prevent uh, customs checks, right? Uh, so they're against that, even though one would think that Northern Ireland would be pro that in general. Um, because they think then then that's like like a slippery slope towards getting out you know all out reunification with Ireland. I guess I guess that's the case. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But now Labour has said, or, or now it's come out that they 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 also say that they will be against Labour's move for um, you know to just to join the customs union to stay in a customs union with the EU. So my question to you, Gordon, is: It sounds to me like. The D, what the DUP wants is they want a hard Brexit with a hard border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. But I can't imagine that is actually correct. So I guess my question is, is that correct? And if not, do you have an understanding about what they actually want? Because that would really help, help me try to kind of figure them out. Well, so I think this is this is interesting. I think that the idea you put forward that they would be in favor of a hard Brexit with a hard border in Northern Ireland is something they could agree with, but I'm not sure that that is, that is their number one aim, that that is what they want. <clears throat> I think it's 
perhaps more instructive to look at it in terms of priorities or in terms of um, uh, electoral motivation. On the one hand, their main priority is to ensure that the union with the rest of the UK is held intact and in fact is strengthened and they don't want it to be weakened because they think that will lead to uh, a, a, a unified uh, Ireland. Um, on the other hand, their members are, are not, that's not their only concern, they're also very conser small c conservative. And so I think you'll find that the vast majority of DUP members, in contrast to the majority of Northern Irish voters, the majority of DUP voters backed leaving the EU, unlike the majority of uh, Northern Ireland. So they've also got this competing concern that actually they're quite Eurosceptic and want to have, yeah, you know, a harder Brexit than most. So I think that's their, their motivation. So a few days ago, I said the reason that Boris pulled the bill was because he would have more leverage. And I also said that uh, uh, Dominic Raab said that the numbers were there in Parliament to pass the bill, but I didn't see it. Well, it turns out I'm 0 for 2 so far, because it turns out there were the numbers to pass the bill in Parliament, um, and then there was also no leverage, because 20 minutes, half an hour later, that same Parliament then voted down Boris's preferred timetable, and now we're again looking at a delay, possibly an election, and who knows what. So I'm currently 0 for 2, so that's, uh, that's, that's good news. Gelb, let me ask you, what on earth is going on in the US right now? Um, I remember in 2016, at one point, Donald Trump tried out a new slogan, and that slogan was jobs, not mobs. Well, Republicans in Congress formed a mob yesterday evening and invaded a secure briefing room where you're not even supposed to bring like your mobile phone into, and they all deluged in there with their phones and, uh, and with cameras outside, and uh, they were trying to infiltrate a uh, secure briefing on impeachment proceedings. So what, what on earth is going on there? Uh, so with the states, I think so I, I heard someone describe um, the information that they're getting as like concentric circles, right? That's the that's the strategy of the Democrats right now. They are aiming for getting concentric circles of trying to find out more information. So they find information about the diplomats that leads them to Giuliani. So they want to find out information about Giuliani. So that leads them to other things. I think the same could be said for concentric circles around the process of getting the country and frankly, the Republicans more comfortable with not defending the president as much. And I think you're starting to see that happen. Yes. Mueller report was kind of a bit of nothing in the end. Um, and you can argue because uh, of a lot of reasons. But what I've seen, at least with this most recent uh, impeachment kind of push, is actual movement from Republicans um, towards the direction of being okay with impeachment and removal. I'm not saying that it is likely that the Republicans are going to remove him from office. But frankly, when the whole impeachment thing kicked off, I thought, oh, God, this is going to be a waste of time. Republicans are not going to, you know, the, 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 the Trump's too slick and, and all this kind of stuff. 
But what's actually happened is that the Democrats um, are approaching this with a lot of speed and Trump is, and that's combined with Trump like really not doing himself any favors at all. So because of that, like the responses of the Republicans is are, are a heck of a lot different than they have been before. And I think that's something to remark on, you know? Um, and so that, so explaining the, the kind of stunt that they tried to pull, uh, the central argument is this is being done behind closed doors uh, and uh, and we're trying to make a spectacle so that people can see, you know, that it's being done behind the closed doors. Yes, of course, if they were if they were properly serious about intelligence, they wouldn't be doing this. But we I, I think that's a red herring. I wouldn't really pay much attention to that. The focus that the Republicans are trying to do, or at least the component of Republicans are trying to do, they're just trying to derail this as 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 much as they can. Um, at first, it was, uh, we don't want an impeachment. You're going to put this out uh, in the open. So the Democrats said, okay, well, we won't put it out in the open. We're going to do it privately like you would um, a, uh, a trial, right? Uh, this is not the trial. I think uh, they're trying to present this as the trial. This is not. This is the gathering of evidence phase. The trial is in the Senate. Everyone thinks that, oh, the Democrats are going to impeach him without any kind of public hearings. Not the case. You know, when you're talking about a, a trial in the United States, um, or at least a lot of types of trials, you have you have two phases. You have the indictment phase, which is basically, is there enough evidence to bring charges? Uh, and that is all done in secret. And then you have the actual trial phase. So uh, the Republicans are trying to get people riled up about that. Um, I don't really think it's working. Like I, the Republicans have been trying a couple of tactics uh, with with just trying to get the, the the talk back on how unfair the Democrats are being, the only problem with that is that if they were doing this out in the open, their then excuse would be, well, hang on, you're 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 putting up, you're making sure this is in the news all the time, and you're you're drawing this out on, in public, where and what you should be doing is not not looking for for coverage and and doing this uh, you know behind closed doors to respect the president's presumed innocence, right? So I don't really buy the whole let's put it out in public because they they just they wouldn't be they'd be complaining uh, either way. Um, but what 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 I think you're going to see that's 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 interesting is kind of the stuff that Mitt Romney is starting to try and do uh, to test the waters, and also what Mitch McConnell has started to do to test the waters. Uh, and I th I think that that. I'm a bit surprised at the muted reaction from Republicans, so much so that while still very, very unlikely, I think the the chances of the of the Republicans to completely switch and dump him um, are getting just slightly more more likely. And I think that it would surprise people if that happened, but it wouldn't really be surprising. Just because how I don't I don't try and say this meanly, but like spineless they are, you know, they are defending Trump out of fear. They are defending. They're always defending Trump out of fear. They're always trying to, um, you know, focus on what's good for them in their district. As soon as that changes, as soon as they think they can, um, that, that that they can uh, win, which is all they really care about, all that Mitch McConnell cares about. 
as soon as you can figure we can win, we can uh, we have a stand a higher likelihood of putting conservative judges on the court. We have a higher likelihood of retaining the Senate, whatever. As soon as they figure that out, or, or as soon as they get comfortable with do, doing that without Trump there, I think you'll see a huge amount of people of Republicans um, jump ship very, very quickly because Trump's power base is built out of f putting fear into Republicans rather than, you know, a lot of, um, you know, agreements on, on, on policy. Again, I don't think that the Democrats are like doing beautifully in making sure that that fear is being stoked or that 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 um, that willingness to to jump ship is being stoked. And I'm, I still don't think it's likely. But I think what you're seeing, especially with these Republicans trying to do a stunt, is a reaction to the fact that it's not going great for them right now, and it's not going great for the president right now. So I would see, I would expect an increase in stunts like this. Um, and and I think it's just gonna it's just telling you that Schiff is actually doing a pretty decent job of not only getting under their skin but also being effective in getting administration officials to um, testify uh, under a blanket, um, you know, refusal to uh, to cooperate that has apparently been you know decreed by the White House. So um, anyway, those are my thoughts about what's happening. <laughs>